You're listening to Playback, a Variety iHeartRadio podcast. I'm your host, Variety Awards editor Chris Tapley. I'm talking to Lynn Ramsey this week, director of films like Ratcatcher, Morvern Caller, and We Need to Talk About Kevin. Her new film is You Were Never Really Here, which premiered at the Cannes Film Festival almost a year ago, where she won an award for her lean and mean screenplay. We talk about the craft that went into the project, from the page to the editing room, and a whole lot more. So sit tight. This is Playback. I was like, didn't get back to about 11 o'clock last night. Then we had to leave about four, you know? So oh, wow. It's crazy. Uh, and you've been Ow. kind of working with this movie since a while. The end of last yeah. year. So it's. Yeah, yeah. It's like sick of talking about it. Quite the well, I'm sorry. <laughs> Hopefully, this will be better. No, you're doing it. Let me just make sure this uh, directional mic, so yeah. if you're able to just talk into that as much as you can. Here with Lynn Ramsey today, the director of. You were never really here, which everyone should see, and we'll start talking about in a moment. But I'd like to begin by mentioning that I have a, a son now. He's he's two years old, and uh, <laughs> we need to talk about Kevin. Uh, you know, I guess just bravo for terrifying me in perpetuity with <laughs> that movie. I'm really sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> it was, I mean, the sign of uh, well-honed craft, I guess, uh, just left me... Yeah, terrified is the word. So, <laughs> well, finally enough, since then I've I've now got a three-year-old. So, mm-hmm. um, but I guess it was one of those primal fears, you know. Like, um, I think there was some screenings in London actually where it was like you could take your kid along, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and some unfortunate mothers probably <laughs> went to those screenings. <laughs> yeah, so you channeled some of that then, huh? I, yeah, yeah it, I don't know. It was just like I think something in that material was really, you know. Um, hit mums, you know, yeah. and parents, yeah, you know, like not just mums, you know, and um, about that fear, where, you know, whether you'll, you know, love your son, you know, like yeah. it, had, it was a kind of taboo subject, I guess, you know. Um, and not just that, you know, the, the mortal you know. terror of having no idea how yeah, the child turn will out. turn out. Exactly, I mean, exactly. Just, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I think mine's going to do okay. We'll, we'll see. I'll get you one about that. <laughs> uh, you know, that film, uh, this film, You Were Never Really Here, uh, Morvern Collar, and, you know, th- these were all taken from novels. And uh, yeah, yeah, your yeah, last, yeah. you know, fully original screenplay was Ratcatcher. So yeah. I'm just curious if there is, is uh, do you find the process of adaptation opens more doors for you as a director? Is there something, is there like an ability to invade a space? More so than living with it fully. Yeah, I, well, I, I don't really know. I mean, it, it, it's you know things happen in a strange way because I still I, I love it original material too, you mm-hmm. know. But Ratcatcher was really kind of a culmination of all, like, all my shorts and what I was doing, and then and you know I was you know I was I was a kind of kid out of film school, you know, and mm-hmm. and so. It was a, you know, the film was a really special film to me. But all the crew and everyone were, they were all first timers, you mm-hmm. know. And um, since then, the editor and the DP and stuff, you know, DP works with Danny Boyle now, and it was like, oh, I think we were very, you know, we we're all very green, and so it will always be a sort of special thing. And I hadn't seen that film for twenty years, and I saw it like last year at AFI, mm-hmm. and with a bunch of students, which was kind of really. A lovely experience, you know. Um, but yeah, like in terms of adaptations, it's just I think Morvin Caller came along. It was 
I thought it was really irreverent, like the character. It was like um, the writer kind of kills himself off in the book, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I met Samantha Morton, so she, you know, who saw you were never really here a couple of weeks ago. Oh and, yeah, and described it as a. She said it's like a Francis Bacon painting, <laughs> which I thought was a brilliant kind of description. That's it, yeah. You know? yeah. Um, so, you know, she was just like amazing. But but I don't think I've ever really done a kind of really sort of literary adaptation. Mm-hmm. They've always been like a kind of, I suppose, my cinematic take in it, or yeah. you know, like how, how do you translate that into a film? And like, and they've been quite different from the source material and. And that's been something maybe I've just like discussed up front with you know whoever wrote the the material, um, sure. and certainly with John Ames too, you know. So, yeah. yeah. And the, I haven't read his work, but I understand this book was yeah. com- considerably different from some of his other work. Yeah, I mean, he he told me it was in re- response to a breakup he had, like you know, a big, break, you know, that um, he writes a lot of comedy. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it was quite a short book, which. I found really interesting in a way because, unlike Kevin, which was a you know huge book and it was uh, in the form of letters, mm-hmm. um, which you know was it was very really it was a really difficult adaptation. Yeah, I imagine that, so. Yeah, um, was uh, this was um, you know you could read it in ninety minutes probably the length of this of this movie mm-hmm. you know. Um, was very short and I love those movies like you know the postman always drinks twice and things like that we're based in short novellas and mm-hmm. like I grew up with noir so it was like kind of the my mum was really you know noir and like Hitchcock and like different really? you know I grew they were quite you know they were working class people but they were I realised later they were real film buffs you know mm-hmm. the studio system you know and um, you know you know it was things like uh you know, I, just, I saw. I remember seeing Dolly now, really young. Um, I remember seeing um, Imitation of Life. You know, mm-hmm. and things like you know. The, so there was these kind of studio movies that were amazing. Like that, that, um, that was Dolly now isn't, but um, so much. But but yeah, like that. So that something attracted me me about this very short kind of like uh, book, which was able. It meant I was able to kind of almost kind of take it and, you know, run with it in different ways and, you know, yeah. kind of explore it in more detail, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but, it, yeah, I think it was quite different from what Jonathan Ames had written before. Um, yeah. You know. Yeah, uh, you were starting to get into it there, but, you know, I'm, I'm a particular fan of your work because there's always been this economy at play mm-hmm. uh, and, 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 you know, the visual storytelling is lean, but it's very potent. And I feel like this is the, the case across the board and certainly with this mm-hmm. um, for, for probably largely what you're mentioning, the fact that it was such a kind of streamlined story on the page to begin with. But with that in mind, your inspirations, you mentioned a few there, yeah. but just in general, uh, you know, what's your favorite movie? Who, who, who is your favorite filmmaker, oh. current or, you know, not a contemporary? Um, well, there's all the usual suspects, I guess, like you yes, ask filmmakers, you know. I mean, funnily enough, two weeks ago, I was on this program with a a great kind of presenter called Mark Kermode, you know, mm, yeah. who, who does this kind of like um, pretty cool program where, you know, like people go to the cinema and it's a live, you know, show and people come on and they talk about movies and because it's the 50th anniversary of 2001, you know, they showed mm-hmm. a clip and the prof- a professor came on who's curating Kubrick's work and, mm-hmm. and then you just see like a clip of that and... I hadn't seen it for a while and I was just like, oh my God, you know, this cinema, like, if we went backwards, I mean, it was just like, it's so, 
in five minutes sums up mankind in the opening scene, you know. Yeah. And so, and one thing I didn't realize, and what the prof- this professor had said was that the satellites, when you know you have the ape scene and the bone goes up, like you know, um, going around the earth, or there was actually a voiceover originally, mm. and they were bombs, you know. Um, and so it just kind of like I don't know, it was just a bit awe inspiring to see such amazing work again um yeah but I, I was a big fan of bergman i guess like mm. and, and nick rogue and like uh, and david lynch I, mean, I, I was 15 at the time i, I saw blue velvet and mm-hmm. you know I, I i think it was a, probably an 18 you know but i somehow inveigled my way into the <laughs> cinema with a boy my boyfriend at the time and um how about twin peaks Oh yeah, I, I, I haven't seen the new one yet. But actually, uh, Studio Canal, who released the the, the movie, um, my movie in in the UK just recently, um, their present to me was the new Twin Peaks <laughs> box set. So that was a pretty cool present. Awesome. Um, but just I'd seen that movie in in Glasgow, and, and you know, I, you know, it was probably uh, I don't know late eighties, well early nineties or something like that. I don't remember exactly the year, but but it was. Um, um, you know, we had, lots of people walked out. No one knew what this was. It was just, um, you know, and I'd seen a lot of films, but the, the the landscape at the time was, you know, like we'd go and see studio movies or whatever, and it was just like it just totally blew my mind. I was like, why? Why are these films not? <laughs> you know, why have I never seen anything like this before? Um, but you walked out of that movie, and you were like, I felt I was still in Blue Velvet, like. Yeah. For the rest of the night, you know, <laughs> and that was like, oh my god, that it was kind of like virtual reality in a way. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. Yeah, yeah. And speaking earlier of two thousand one, I think actually this very day is the fiftieth anniversary. Oh of god, the well that's quite special. Interestingly <laughs> enough, uh, you know, this movie you were never really here. There's so many elements to dissect and discuss, and I want to just talk about a few of them. The editing, yeah, certainly. Yeah. Uh, you know, I just talked about the lean nature of your storytelling and. Uh, I love the bravery of just like getting out of a scene way quicker than you might expect or yeah. coming into a scene way later than you might assume. Mm-hmm. You know, things like that. They, uh, that obviously builds the pace and mm-hmm. provides a momentum, but it also kind of it creates this headspace. It creates this, this mm-hmm. psychological atmosphere, mm-hmm. I feel. And I just want to talk about your philosophy on editing. Um, well, this one was... We, I guess it was an approach that that was like, do we have to see everything? Do we, ha- you yeah. know, or what, what's left to the imagination? You know, like um, I think aud- audiences are quite sophisticated, and and also I worked with a, an amazing editor called Joe Beanie that, you know, you know, he'd worked with Herzog before, and he did my last movie where we were jumping around in time a lot, yeah. and so we learned a lot, you know, because that script was also very tight, you know, like uh, because that. There was like you know it was really to the bone to make that film, mm-hmm. so it was almost like armchair edited on paper. Mm-hmm. It was like it goes from this to this and this and this, and here's the sound that connects them all. Mm-hmm. And um, but I think you know one thing he said that I thought was really you know a beautiful thing he says like you know was that he felt that we edited edited it together. You know, um, it was it was quite a it was probably about half the time the editing of this of my last movie you know mm-hmm. in terms of because it went to can and was crazy things happened so after this crazy shoot it was I thought it would be you know some, the editing is like oh, yeah you've got a bit of headspace and whatever mm-hmm. what was it it didn't really turn out like that it was just like um, suddenly a lot of 
crazy things happened, can liked it and we didn't, you know, they didn't have any credits, there was storyboards in it, that, mm-hmm. you know, it was things like that. But getting back to your question, it was, um, I think, for a real exercise in economy for us and all, and also what do you need to know, you know, yeah. um, and what spaces that give other people to think about it. Yeah. About it. And, um, and where is this character's headspace right now? And we certainly saw, like, um, uh, the... You know, I don't. I don't really like uh, traditional flashbacks or anything like that. But there was a, a you know, post traumatic stress disorder kind of element to it, which to me I saw much more like shards and broken glass in his head. And I felt mm-hmm. that we should be really that one or two images would tell enough, mm-hmm. you know, um, but also give this idea of like a repetitive kind of um, like lucid kind of hallucination, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and you know, but also we tried to keep this really propulsive narrative, and and one thing I, you know, I, you know, or just a feeling of the energy that that I felt, you know, the book was a real page turner. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think he, you know, John self admittedly was still finishing the book. It was only released <laughs> in France, um, and he, you know, so it was a bit like I didn't know me that. starting off this thing and go, you know, saying where is this going to go and. Um, and, and it was it was more it was it was very organic compared to my other films. I, yeah, I was lucky in that that um, the, the financiers were you know were rolling with me, changing things yeah. like as I went. You know, um, because we only had twenty nine days to shoot as well, and right. so I, it was quite a short script. Script and um and um how long I was the to, post on it? How long did the the editing post production? I'd say, but we never had a schedule. It was the weirdest <laughs> thing. I don't know if it's just the way they work in France or whatever. But it was like there was no post production schedule, so it was quite random in a way. And it was like, well, you know, we've got, you know, we we knew we, I think we knew we we felt like the material was really strong, mm-hmm. Joe and I, and then we we you know we done this thing we. we I'd never shot digital before, you mm-hmm. know, um, and you, you, you tend to have more material. But um, I, I'm glad I, I studied in the film because I think you're you're a bit more disciplined, you know, yeah. about what you you get, you know. Um, Cut down on the waste. Yeah, yeah. But I didn't I didn't even have that much time to watch the rushes when I was shooting, you know. Like so, <laughs> it was about. Yeah, I remember we. I said to Joe, "Let's get a mixing desk and we'll pre-mix it," and we did, and then. We watched all the rushes and did selects like again after the shoot um, from stuff I'd like on, on the shoot, but I watched everything again. Mm-hmm. And then they persuaded him to get this mix, mixing desk, which was a big mistake because it kind of messed up his whole system and he lost all his work. <laughs> and so oh, no. <laughs> he lost all these films that he'd made and, and stuff like that. But we, we were always thinking about the sound earlier on as well. You know, like the, the, the Paul Davis, my sound designer, had started really early because I thought it wasn't like a conventional edit. It wasn't like just a picture cut and then you put the sound on later mm-hmm. and then you put the music on later. It was like picture cut, then um, go back to the sound, bring the sound in, recut you know with the sound of mine you know the picture and also the music because Johnny Johnny Greenwood doesn't score to picture either right. you know like it's more like a feeling yeah and so he saw the film very chronologically it was like here's 10 minutes here's 20 right, you know right. we got to here so we sort of we did it in a way that w- we edited it in a way 
in the end where we were really happy we you know up to peace like you know like mm-hmm. here's the first really cool half an hour you know mm-hmm. like this is and we wouldn't show the whole edit you know we'd be like we're up to here you know? right. <laughs> which is unusual you know yeah. uh, it's kind of like writing yeah a bit <laughs> like, like that yeah, a bit you, like there's that. my 40 so, pages i've written so far and we read that a million times a little bit like that yeah. it, in the end i mean we hadn't we but we we i think i mean joe was certainly really like um it, he was in LA at the time. I was shooting in New York, and he was very excited by the material. And then, you know, there was a few things that happened along the way where it was like, I, you know, some things I, I felt didn't work as much, and 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 so I was being quite bold about, you know, saying let's you know reconfigure this a little bit and mm-hmm. talk to him a bit. And the whole surveillance thing, camera thing, was something we tested because mm-hmm. I've never had reshoots ever in <laughs> any film I've worked it on, and I'm always really envious when directors say, "Oh yeah, I'm doing these reshoots." <laughs> I'm like, so I was quite risky thing to do that, and so I told Joe my thoughts. He came in New York, and and you know. I, we started thinking about how we were going to use the sound and the music and but all those things really the editing was all coming from the psychology of the character where is he at at this point you know when does he break down you know where mm-hmm. you know where, you know where is this you know you know it was a bit of a beast really you know yeah. and so we're sort of trying to tame this thing mm-hmm. but i think we were so disciplined you know like um like we, i don't think even the assembly was that long i think it was like 100 minutes or something wow. 110 maybe yeah, so people aren't aware. Usually, assemblies are like hours and hours long. <laughs> and being depressing <laughs> normally. You're starting to talk about the sound there. I'd love to talk about that. That's another element. I mean, the sound is its whole other uh, just kind of doorway into the psychology of the character. Johnny Greenwood doing the score. Uh, you guys work together on Kevin as well. But <clears throat> what kind of sonic environment did you want to build here? Is is this the kind of thing that? Uh, you let Johnny kind of come with his feel, or you, do you present him with, like, what's that dynamic like mm. with you two? Well, first of all, I mean, I'd spoken to him quite early on when I'd, like, need, I sent him the script, which was um, kind of the template for everything, but was still evolving. Mm-hmm. And then the whole thing went into production, which was really bonkers. That doesn't happen every day. It's like, um, because Joaquin was free and, you know, Amazon liked to script it can and like just a lot of things happened and I hadn't really finished it, you know, like mm-hmm. it was, I was still working on it and I thought I was going to be shooting in the fall and then suddenly I was shooting in the summer and it was a bit crazy. Um, but like Johnny, I, I talked to him like about the the nature that I, that I wanted to, to, to have this thing that it drove, that we were driving forward. We talked about Carpenter a little bit, we, you know, but those are kind of like the, the more broad strokes. He loves Penzadecki, I love Penzadecki. I um, always loved this Aphex twin uh, track called Rhubarb that, that, you know, I've never, it's so beautiful that it's almost too, you can never find an image for it, you know. <laughs> right. um, but I think he did his own thoughts as well, and we talked about strings and using like that, and, and it, it was becoming obvious, like, cause he was in tour with Radiohead at the time, and, I don't. I don't even know if he'd have time to do it. And he was like, he's quite a modest guy, and he's like, I look, I don't, you know, like this is crazy. But when he saw them, I think when he, he started to engage in what the car, I think, and even though we did it quite remotely, which was weird because Kevin, we I'd went a lot to the the, the studio, you know. Mm-hmm. But what was really great about that was like he was kind of seeing the character evolve, mm-hmm. and so the music was evolving right. a bit like the character. So. You know, it, it feels like you know what it's going to be at first, you know. that um, And there was just so many brilliant pieces of music he sent, like, um, but I, that Joe and I would be running up and down the, 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 the room, like the, the corridor of the editing rooms and 
like feeling like we got a present if we got his music. <laughs> we were like, oh my god, you know, like, and um, and it was inspired by the character. His music was very inspired by the character and the feel of New York and what Paul Davis was doing with the sound design, right. and also that I thought the the smart thing to do was to get um. Johnny's engineer involved, who was there in the studio with us, so he knew the music really well, and he mm-hmm. edited, was a music editor in the film. But really, it was like I remember he, he watched Real Four, which is the final reel of the film, um, and he was like, "Oh my god, I love Real Four. It's completely mad. It's completely crazy. It's bonkers." Like, and and that that character started to implode, and the music started to implode, and it, it, uh, you know, and that. Giving them this kind of chronological version of the character was really, I think, informative. Mm-hmm. But we, you know, we t- we didn't really go like this is going to be the way it is. It was like I think things were just gravitating towards certain things, and he had ideas. And like I think early on, we, you know, we booked some studio time, which I think we had to really like. There wasn't money for a score, even though it's the most it's the most scored thing thing I've ever done. Like mm-hmm. you know. Um, it's the most scored film. And I knew it would be a score that was like, we were literally to the wire and stuff like that. So it wasn't a lot of means to do things. So I, I remember fighting really early on to get like a bunch of musicians together. I think the most was like, it might have been about eight musicians all together, mm. you know. Um, and we were looking at atonal kind of sounds. Um, and, and, and Paul Davis was doing strange things and playing some things backwards you know mm. like, and, and, and that or you know the signs in the movie even with the traffic and stuff that you that there's something wrong but you don't know kind of what it is you know and it <laughs> was like a, yeah. it's an unsettling kind of thing and then I did I tried I did, one little you know th- one thing that came up was um, in one of the sequences the surveillance sequences I, you know I was like well do we go room tone do we make it you know do we make it like the, you know the feeling of the camera do we you know and then we tried several things and like or do you use foley and I, none of, none of it seemed to work and then i like, i put this temp track on angel baby like which was just like literally plucked <laughs> from something i quite liked you know and then nothing else would ever work you know <laughs> and then i thought why don't we you know we, we do where the camera jumps will t- take the time slice out of the music, you know, and see if that, I don't know, like, let's just try it, you know, or I talked to Paul about that and, um, and something really odd happens when it feels like the track is playing, you know, you, you don't really notice it, but your brain does. So mm-hmm. it kind of, it's really disturbing, you know? Yeah. So, so there was a lot of work in those, the sounds right from day one in conjunction, in conjunction with the music, yeah. you know, and having, you know Johnny's guy Graham there as well was really cool because it was like you know this whole thing was all coming together as one thing rather than it being separate entities totally I I love I love that Johnny you know he's kind of part of this generation I guess if you'll call it that of of composers there's there's a number of them who who are blurring the line between like traditional film music and sound design yeah yeah, yeah, you know him uh, Mika Levy I was just about to say Mika yeah yeah, as well Johan Johansson rest his soul was brilliant at it uh, yeah. So it's really cool whenever yeah. you pull that off. Yeah. 
<clears throat> did anything inspire you on just the look, uh, you know, particularly the camera movement, which I thought was uh, mm. a notable quality this time around? Tom Townsend is your uh, DP this time. You mentioned Alvin Kukler earlier. You, you yeah, worked with him yeah, a couple yeah. times and Seamus on uh, Yeah, I've worked with I've been lucky. I've worked with some amazing DPs. Um, Almost Darius Kanji. Well, he, yeah, Darius and I speak all the time about, you know, he's he's amazing. In fact, he, he was the one that said to Joaquin about me, I think. You know, he, uh, you know, was like... Joaquin was asking him, asking him about oh, interesting filmmakers, yeah. and you Shut know, he mentioned me, yeah. me, and that's how Joaquin, I think, heard about me. But now, Daddy's went to see the movie like, like a month ago or something, so his daughter loved it, and so I set up a screening here. But yeah, we'll do something together, I'm sure. Good. Good. But also, I worked with Natasha Breyer, who shot this oh, yeah, short film yeah. that uh, for me called The Swimmer, like their swimmer um, for the Olympics, which is a bit more like an art piece, but it's just like. It's all inspiringly beautiful. She's and she, she, She's great. So she's coming along at the screening, oh, nice. you know, uh, like, I think, on Friday night. So, cool. But I've been lucky with the people I've worked with, like, you know, you know, world-class DPs, uh, you know, and, and, you know, but we all start, we all started at, you know, the, the National Film School, a lot mm-hmm. of, you know, most of us, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think, I've known Tom for 20 odd years, like, he he shot, like, a lot of commercials, but he's, he was a stills photographer first, and he's amazing, like, um, so he knows my visual language really well, and he did attack the block, and, mm-hmm. like, you know, so it's quite different from this, you know, yeah. um, but he, he, we know each other so well. It's almost like you know, and, and because of the nature of the shoot, it had been twenty nine days. It was like we'd, we'd meet up like very early. Um, we did short lists, but we would do short lists again every day, um, and and be really boiling it down and boiling it down. I was like, how do we do it in three shots? How do we do it in two? Right. How do we do it in one? How do we make this work in this time and be clever to to make that time work? Because yeah. we didn't have like the four days for an action sequence that you might have, like we had half a day, you know what yeah. I mean? So, you know, um, that that was a challenge, but it was a, you know, it was, there was a lot of light bulb moments within that. Um, and, uh, you know, I'd never, I said I'd never shot in um, uh, digital before. I, I mean, I shot a bit of 5D stuff in Kevin that, I, like with stuff I was shooting and the way the set and stuff that some of it was cutting and I think we had a disaster one time with the lights all going down and, you mm-hmm. know, one of the scenes and, that was in the 5D as well, but in Ke- on Kevin. But it was, you know, I'd, I'd been lucky enough to shoot everything in film. And, you know, this one was a weird one, but it was just like kind of, you know, I think it's just that whenever films mention people, just think it's going to be super expensive, but you mm-hmm. have to just do the homework yourself. And like, you know, and just like everyone says it's going to be 400,000. It's just like a, it's a kind of phony number, you yeah, know? Yeah. Um, but I wasn't against shooting digital. It was like, you know, I, I was more like, I, I was thinking about shooting like um, digital for night and film for day. But then Tom and I did a lot of tests. And so the, you know, the look became to the point where, and I used, you know, I used to be a photographer myself. So I, that I was like, oh, this is, you know, it looks great. And we actually did a very natural look, you know, it wasn't too messed around with. Yeah. And so we, we, that grade, became a grade that actually stayed for most of the to, the thing, you know, that so that when we set a kind of look, um and we were never looking at a New York that was like the you know, the traditional Manhattan skyline, you know, like Tim Grimes, a production designer who's amazing and and also this we found this amazing um uh location manager found all these kind of places that were pretty off the beaten track. Yeah. Um 
And so it presented a different side of New York. And I remember we shot one day we were coming back from something like it was in Yonkers or somewhere. Mm-hmm. And we shot one shot, which was the most beautiful shot. I thought <laughs> it was like all the way through New York, looking through windows, mm-hmm. like, you know, and it was like, and I had this kind of feeling that it could just be a film in its own in a way. And, mm-hmm. I, and I used a lot of footage from that, that, that shot, wow. you know. Um, but yeah, like, I think between Tim, James, Tom, and Sasha Springer, who, who, who did the find the locations, that, and also Joachim's look. You know, they, they, no one there was no selfie people there. No one recognised them. Right. Um, you know, like he looked like a construction worker or yeah. something. You know, like um, that there was a real. The, we, funnily enough, I saw the French connection when I, I came to LA afterwards to work with Joe Beanie, like, who was still in the LA and just about to move to London, and uh, and we were invited to this screening, and we were like. We were just blown away with what they got away with, you know, yeah. like um, that car chase. And totally. and also the fact the film for the first hour is like just surveillance, like you'd nothing, yeah. it's quite, you know, it's got a different pace. And, and I hadn't seen it since I was, was a kid. So what was exciting about seeing that was like, oh, good, I think we've ca- we captured a little bit of New York in a way that's hard to capture now, you yeah. know, like so. Yeah. Um, what do you think of yeah. the, you know, speaking of New York, yeah. a lot of people bring up Taxi Driver with this movie. Does that... Yeah. Annoy you at all, mean, or it doesn't annoy you because it's an amazing. I mean, like it's hard to be annoyed because sure. like, you know it's a classic movie. It's more like you feel like you know you're you're destined for a fall, like <laughs> from that. You know, um, I can honestly say you know that we didn't like you know there wasn't that kind of referencing movie. Like right. we, it was so fast, and we weren't thinking oh it's a bit like this or a bit like that. It was like really coming from how the locations fell and stuff like that and Tom down ends like he knows every movie so he'll be the first to come up with like you know some reference to some other thing mm-hmm. to me it was more if you were going down that route it'd be more like Point Blank or Chinatown or right, something yeah. like that so but I don't when I make a movie I don't really tend to think that much of other movies I'm just like you know, you know, Joaquin himself was becoming this kind of like he came he came along seven weeks early, like as soon as we started with Tom the DP <laughs> turns up the actor. Well, I've got like ninety five locations to see, you know, and uh, so it, it was it was pretty crazy, and it was I think that the, the also being in that heat was mad, you know. Yeah. But it was a very young crew. They were all like NYU or Columbia, and a lot. I found out later a lot of were directors, and there was a really good energy on it. Like, what the hell is going to happen in yeah, this? Yeah. And it felt very electric and like you know, that and fun and like you, you know, like. But always we were thinking about how he not just film what was there, like but, but go beyond things. Like you know, always like does this feel dumb or could we make this? How do how can we think about this in a, in a way that's more interesting? So. And certainly Joaquin was big, you know, that he, it's not in the book, he's not built like that. You know, it's yeah. not like, you know, he started building up this armour and I was really lighting the way he walked and we talked about the, you know, the scars were becoming a, a, a more a, a thing and and I, I'm that, his performance, I think, influenced as well how we shot it, you know, that, mm. that we would have this, you know, capacity to, I mean, I think the way I, I, I love digital in this film was to, you know, he was a bit like Samantha Morton and Morgan Caller, but it's, Hard to call cut, you know. Mm-hmm. You're like something, you know. He got he got annoyed at me for not calling cut, but it was great because I would always get this extra thing, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, um, and um, Tom and I sort of kind of geared up for that. That he, you know, like no take was the same. No take was ever the same, and we were really fast. I mean, we were like shooting like me twenty six setups a day sometimes, you know. Wow, so, geez. yeah. 
humming right along on this one. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, speaking earlier of Jane Got a Gun, if you wouldn't mind just touching on it, uh, you know, it's been a number of years removed from that whole episode. For those who aren't aware, it was basically a creative situation between you and the producers, I guess, became untenable and mm-hmm. you left the movie. Uh, what did you take away in the wake of all of that? What just just uh, what did you learn from that episode? What what stays with you as a result of that whole episode in your career? Um, I think mainly, you know, what I learned, you know, that met some really cool people like Darius and Brian Duffield, and you know, who have remained in contact with, and like, and also just all the creative ideas, you know, like mm-hmm. you know, we're, they're still there, they're still in my head, so it's just like you know. They went into, you know, the fury or the, or just everything I've learned. It feels like, you know, um, you know, I know many directors that have like been working in films for years and it didn't work out or mm. they, something happened in the cutting room and like, you know, you have these horror stories and things like that. But you, you have to twist, you have to turn it around a bit and go, right, what did I get from, you know, from, you know, like whatever that situation was. It's like, um, I've, I learned everything I've done. I've learned so much. And so I felt, I felt more experienced. I felt that I thought about action sequences, you know, pretty mm-hmm. in an interesting way. And I'm sure some of that maybe, you know, like um, informed this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Please just make a Western. Uh, I hope you'll eventually <laughs> do one because I was really excited that you were going to make one. And I knew the guy that wrote the script and everything. I read that script. I thought this is perfect for her because she can put her fingerprint right on this and this is going to be awesome. So um, I hope. Well, Brian's a really ta- talented guy and it was, that script was on the blacklist and it was, yeah. you know, it was, it was pretty like, I mean, I remember the opening just being so like amazing and like, and, um, and, and very opening and, and great. And, and, and but, you know, um, but I would like, you know, we'll see, you know, like watch this space, you know. So. Yeah. Uh, and then odd question here. I was I was on my way out the door and I was sort of rubbed wrong by a headline I saw, which yeah. was uh, something like Joaquin Phoenix could win an Oscar if he cheered up for the press. Mm. <laughs> and meanwhile, you've spoken to this before. You've been called a <laughs> difficult director. Just this thing where people w- want you to do what you do, but only the way they want you to do it or something like wh- what do you how do you respond to that kind of a thing? Oh, I don't know. I mean, I think people these days are looking for sound bites, like, you know, like, you know, they, it's like an angle. You yeah. know, there's so much media and social media and content and stuff. I mean, even I get quoted and, you know, I'm saying something like I'm not difficult or something like that. And I, I, you know, I was an answer to a question, like, are you, you know, yeah. just, you know, and you, so you get kind of set up for it, you yeah, know, a little sure. bit like So, you know, I, I, I don't know, I've always like, you know, just, I think just like you just need to strip away the bullshit and just like you know, especially when you're making films. I mean, like um, I don't think you can think about all that stuff. And mm-hmm. um, and I think you know, Wacky's kind of about the work, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's been great with the press. He's been he's done so yeah. much press with this, and he's been lovely <laughs> and he's charming and he's funny. That's and, one of those things. Like maybe there know. was an episode in the past, and this just kind of gets situated in people's minds that he is a problem with the press or something. Uh, but, well, you know. I know for a fact that's <laughs> rubbish. You know, yeah, like because totally. I've just seen. You know, we've just got back from New York, and I think he's great. And I think what it is with him with him is like when the work ends, and you know, when you like for me, it's like when you finish the cut, like or then you the mix and. Then your your work is done, and you don't normally watch it a million times. I mean, some films I've made that I've never watched again since they've been at a film festival or something. Mm-hmm. I think for him, it's like, and you know, in particularly in this one, it was really sad because like I think we both felt 
I'd never felt so much in a film like I didn't want it to finish, you know, or end, or like, can we take this crew and go make something else? Like, go make that some, you know, crazy other thing, you know, like, yeah. because we were so in fire, I felt like the whole team, mm-hmm. that it was a sad ending, you know, and I knew he, we all felt, oh my God, like, this is, instead of that, well, sometimes you feel like, oh my God, I just want to go hibernate for like a few months, like, you know, mm-hmm. you know you're so, you know, exhausted. Um, but, I, you know, I, I, he's not any of the, the, you know, we loved being in set together, you know, I mean, it wasn't like sitting and like weighing around and mm-hmm. he doesn't like that side of things or just all the pomp and circumstances and drivers and all that, you know, he just went, you know, he's just in it for the work and I really respect that. I think yeah. that's amazing. It's like, um, and I think he's really, you know, I think at the end of the day, you know, I mean, he's like one of the best, if not the best actor we, we have and so, Cherish, cherish him a bit more kind of thing you know, <laughs> yeah, you know I, I just think he just doesn't suffer fools gladly you know which I appreciate yeah, yeah, I tend yeah. to get along with those sorts yeah me too yeah. Uh, well everyone should see this movie it's called You Were Never Really Here mm-hmm. and uh, it's out now so you can go check mm-hmm. it out yeah. uh, Lynn Ramsey thank you so much for coming on my show I really appreciate it <laughs> thanks very much for having me that was really that was great thank yeah, you thanks